Hello and welcome to Sometimes Dead is Better. And it's me, Kristen. And me, Chris. And we're here with an exciting episode, I think. I'm very excited. Yeah. Have we um, threatened to do this on the podcast before or announced it anyway? I don't know if I cut it out because I know you mentioned it about 17 times. So are you going to announce what it is? Oh, so we're going to talk about Jaws. Yes. I mean, it's arguably a horror movie. I mean, it's not necessarily a horror, but it is often on like top 10 lists of scariest movies. I think it, it, at a minimum gets grandfathered in as horror. I mean, it's a monster movie. How about that? I mean, it's a monster movie. Does that count? Yes. Ah. Which I, it never really had that effect on me. I think because I saw it so much as a kid. Like it was, again, one of those movies that my family always watched. Right. Like it's funny rewatching it again. There's just so many of these lines that we still quote to each other often. Yeah, it's one of those weird things that I watched all the time as a kid too, but we had it um, like taped from TV. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I saw some of the, the major scares like like Ben Gardner's face in the fishing boat until like years oh. later. Cause I think they cut that out of the TV version. Oh, that's like when I watched Deliverance on TV. Oh. And I, after it was over, I was like, oh, that wasn't that bad. I mean, what did, they, did they cut out like half the movie? Or? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about it as a horror movie when I was a kid. So that's, that's an interesting point. Well, I think that kind of goes back to what you talked about in our first episode. We talked about the 80s movies and about how so many of them are so scary. And this is just one of those that falls into that. Oh, the 70s and the 80s. A lot of these movies that, again, this is rated PG. Anybody can watch it. Yeah. Just a little parental guidance. That's all you need. That's all. Yeah. All right. So before we get into that, because it's probably going to be a long one, let's talk about what else we've been watching. Do I so get go to go ahead. First? Okay. What have you been watching? So in the spirit of... Jaws and actually just being a pure coincidence. Last night on on, on Amazon they have that movie. Uh, it's kinda, Anaconda. No, but similar. It's called Crawl. <laughs> Crawl, the alligator. Yeah, alligator and the hurricane thing. Like you know, they're right. Uh, it's kind of like the X Files episode where they go down to Florida and they have in the middle of the hurricane and there's yeah, like and the hotel. dog gets eaten. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, it's 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 a lot of fun. It's really good. So is this like is it like a prehistoric? No, alligator or is it a normal alligator. alligator they're just big alligators there's two of them spoiler alert the alligators are fucking big yeah and the, i mean it's not like they're like jaws you know like monster alligators but they're pretty big and it's the whole movie is just this girl who's a professional swimmer of some sort is which you know does that come in handy i don't know <laughs> um but she goes down to florida to sort of reconnect with her dad who is uh, played by barry pepper uh which is always fun to see barry pepper you know and that's pretty much a setup. And then next thing you know, it's just alligator madness. They get yeah. Well, I mean, I've seen the trailer, and just the idea of being in a confined space with a alligator is terrifying. Alligators really scare me. Like sharks and snakes, they don't really scare me, but alligators do because they will just snap you and take you down. Well, there's a lot of great you know scares in this one, and uh, and it's funny, a pretty serious uh, sort of effective claustrophobic horror movie. I mean, it's it's kind of sets out to do one thing and. That's pretty much all it does. It doesn't have a lot on its mind. I mean, there, okay. there's this whole subplot about her connecting with her dad and something about a swim meet that went wrong. I'm not really sure. 
Um, but then the alligators jump out, and it's a lot of fun. I really liked it, so I highly recommend it. And yeah. it goes well with Jaws. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So what have you been watching? Well, on Netflix now, I watched the movie Knock Knock, oh, okay. which is an Eli Roth movie starring Keanu Reeves. And it also stars the girl who was, I think her name was Marta in the Knives Out movie. Oh, she was like, the nurse, the main that's character. That's main character, yeah. Yes. And then the other girl was great, too. I don't remember what she was in, but but it was a entertaining movie, I'll say. Um, it's very uncomfortable. It really pushes you like this is making me very uncomfortable. This should not be happening. It's kind of like, a, I guess, a lesser version of Funny Games. Like funny games is like the whole time it's it's more evil and terrifying. This is a little less intense, I guess. I mean, I'm surprised if if Eli Roth is involved. You know, him being so restrained and subtle. Like, <laughs> it's not really subtle. I mean, there's not a lot of like gore and over the top horror. It's more like psychological, I think. Oh, but okay. it's it's still not like elevated horror or anything. But it's entertaining. I wanted to know what happened after the end of the movie and kind of bothered me for a couple of days one of those well how was our boy keanu oh he was so great okay good he was really good and adorable and he was wearing like little sweaters he's a dad it's adorable all right so what are we drinking are we, do we have any apricot brandy which is what uh quint's drink of choice oh, was yeah i even get to the part about quint being an alcoholic but um, oh gosh and robert shaw apparently Right, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I had, we had a lot of choices. I, this is pretty, you know, a lot of drinks in this movie. There's, uh, you know, I was thinking about getting maybe some sort of red wine. Although oh, I, right. I, I guess Cooper shoves a, a white and a red, so that'd be kind of fun. Yes, and fun. they drink both of them, which yeah. is adorable. I remember when that when I was a kid, never understanding that they were completely just shit faced at the time. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, me neither. There's definitely some moonshine in there. It seems something that Quint has made. So there were lots of choices. Well, anyway, based on your suggestion, I went with uh, the a land shark which is an island style lager is out of, I mean, I'm making, I'm making like this isn't like a well-known beer, but, right. <laughs> uh, but I've never really had it before. It's out of, um, oh, it's made in Margaritaville. Does that mean Jimmy Buffett makes it? I think so. <laughs> I <know>. Yes. <laughs> uh, wow. Things just went like eight layers of basic on me. What are you uh, drinking? Well, I found a Bermuda tiger shark ginger beer mm. and it's got, uh, actually the jaws on the front like the what the poster is yeah and so i mixed that with some rika vodka which is this uh vodka that i like from iceland and i made a little um moscow mule got a little lime in there some ginger beer and the, and I, all i'm missing is the the copper cup super good i love ginger beer just by itself too because it's like it's almost spicy you know just like this too because it's called tiger shark and they say it's a tiger shark and the guy says a what <laughs> and that's that's one of the lines that every, anytime anyone in my family says a what someone goes a what <laughs> so that's always fun this is definitely a heavily quoted movie in my family too so okay cool all right so it immediately starts with john williams music yeah i wish he had written something iconic for this movie he really didn't i'm kidding <laughs> wondering that like how do you just go to bed every night being john williams and not being I'm like so good. <laughs> i am just amazing i mean he's like the one guy that like you know like you can imagine him like you know coming up with a theme for jaws and he'd be like nailed it and he'd be right like you know he's, he's like the only person that can do that <laughs> well apparently he played it for steven spielberg and steven spielberg yeah, and I can wasn't see very that. I mean, impressed it is at kind of, first 
But yeah, so we have the you know classic opening with presumably the shark's point of view swimming through the coral or whatever, and then you have the mm-hmm. the Jaws, uh, the first instance of the Jaws theme. And then we have a bonfire on the beach with a bunch of teens. It's 1975. Yeah, it seems like something yeah. that could have been out of a Friday the 13th movie. Um, I noticed they're passing a joint around, which uh, when I was a kid, I thought, look at that cigarette. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so Steven Spielberg, he wasn't even 30 yet. I read was he? he was 28, which infuriates me. It makes me so angry. Yeah. I mean, I guess he had already done, well, film school. And then he, I guess it's a point mm-hmm. in Duel, that movie with Goldie Hawn that I've never seen. But then this was his first really big one, right? Right. I read that they had another director in mind, but the director kept referring to the shark as a whale. <laughs> and so they were like, he doesn't yeah, seem to understand this. This is not Moby Dick. Has he read the book? Have you read the book? By, by, should we ask that? I haven't. And so, yeah, so the book is by Peter yeah. Benchley. And then Peter Benchley wrote up a screenplay. And then Carl Gottlieb came in and made it more of a movie. But yeah, I saw, I read that there was an affair yeah. between Hooper and Brody's wife, which would have been just great. Ridiculous. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, as they say, the main character of this movie is the shark. So, you know, they at first they had visions of casting Paul Newman in this. and As a shark. <laughs> the main actor is the shark. Anyway, so back to the beach, the girl and the guy make eyes. Yeah, and Chrissy is the girl. And for some reason, she's all by herself, you know, by that trash can, just sitting alone. Right. <laughs> I, I thought, is she a hobo or something? <laughs> so she goes running off and the guy goes running after her and they start taking their clothes off, which I just thought, like, that's going to be quite a chore to go back and try to find all yeah. your clothes but that's not the point they're carefree they're young she's taking all her clothes off i mean i'm not gonna do this the whole movie but when i was a kid i just remember thinking oh they're going swimming <laughs> and to do that you have to take off your clothes and they're sure excited about it yeah but i mean the, the whole thing is in silhouette like there's absolutely no nudity but i for some reason thought that there was more i guess sw- seeing it as a kid and i guess i would after just watching friday the 13th part two where they have another scene where a girl takes her clothes off to go skinny dipping. Right. And you see everything. Yeah. Everything, well, you, see, Chris. you see a lot more than maybe you think for a PG movie. I feel like the, maybe it's just because, you know, these days with high def and whatnot. But I feel like the scenes when she's in, in the water and you have the camera from below her, I feel like you're seeing quite a bit. Or maybe you're imagining yeah. it because she's got her legs kind of open there. But, that, but the scene of her, like her black silhouette against that blue water is just, I mean, that's amazing. So this is in the morning, confused by that. I guess it's probably at, at dawn since they've been up partying all night. Yes, it's at dawn because then he falls asleep. He passes out and then you kind of see the sun rise. But so then we meet Chief Brody. Yes. Roy Scheider. Played by Roy yeah. Scheider. And his wife, Ellen. Is Ellen it Ellen? Brody, yeah. They, I always just loved their marriage. Steven Spielberg has a great way of making marriages that seem so real to me or parents that seem more very real. Like I always thought the mom and E.T. seemed so warm and loving, you know, and the kids are good, too. They, uh, you know, I was looking at them on Vine and I guess this is the only thing as actors they've ever done. Yeah, yeah, they're good. But they've moved. It was a very um, prominent theme in a lot of movies we've done. Yeah. It's uh, this they're moving into a small town. They're taking yeah, over been a moving scene. A big we job. Include that in our list of moving scenes. <laughs> yeah. And so he is the chief of police there. Yes. Or you could you could just sub in the new town doctor. The right. I hadn't even thought about sheriff. that. Yeah. It's, but, that happens yeah. a lot. And no one, no one. I mean, people are nice to him, but I, I, it, there's this idea that he hasn't necessarily quite earned everyone's trust yet. 
uh, because he's, uh, well also there seems to be a thing about this yeah, island islanders this, the amityville amityville island is what i keep saying amity island yes yeah, so or if you're born here you're an islander there's no other way to become an islander and so they're very picky yeah, about and that. i know about that uh subculture because of all my stephen king books because <laughs> there's you know, I think Dolores Claiborne, for instance, it took, takes place on an island, and there's a lot of that in there. And then Storm of the, Storm oh, of the Century, okay. there's a lot of talk about the islanders, you know. Well, and they also filmed this on Martha's yeah. Vineyard, which kind of also has those ideas about, I think there were some issues with a lot of the rich people that lived there not wanting a movie film there and people brought to the island and stuff like that. Yeah, well, I think it quadrupled the amount of people that typically would go there during the summer because of this movie, so... Yeah, so for the working people there, it was awesome. They made tons of money, but then for the rich folks, they didn't like people in their town. So um, uh, I like that scene where the older boy, um, Michael, runs in, and his his, uh, arm is covered in blood, and he says, I got a vampire got me, or hit by a vampire. Maybe he says bit by vampire. I guess that would make more sense. Probably bit. Yeah. (laughs) When I was watching it uh, tonight, it occurs to me, like, so his arm is dripping blood, and the next thing... He's saying is, I want to go in the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, so already in your head, you're kind of thinking, I mean, you just saw the shark attack. And you know, the, big, the big sort of layperson no-no about swimming is that you're not supposed to swim, like, bleeding. Well, right, I mean, I don't like right. do that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but because it, atta- it attracts, you know, sharks. Sharks can instances. smell blood miles away. Adam is really into all things sharks, reptiles. We read about this stuff all the time. It's really fascinating. Did he seem interested in, in watching the movie at all, or? Yes, I told him that the same guy who did this made Jurassic Park, but this is a lot scarier, and so he may want to wait. In Jaws, they say it's a 25-foot shark, about three tons, and but great whites can get to 23 feet. So this is not like a like prehistoric, this is not Megalodon, this is not like the Meg, you know, yeah. kind of like the same thing with a regular alligator. There was a dinosaur called a Sarcosuchus. That was the size of a school bus. An alligator the size of a school bus, Chris. This Jesus. existed. Another thing that's fascinating is that the, well, the orca, or the killer whale, which is the name of the boat that they mm-hmm. take out, the orca is one of the only predators to a great white shark. Like, they call uh-huh. they call an orca a perfect killing machine. It's actually a lot bigger. They, they get up to, like, 33 feet. You admire it, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Clever girl. <laughs> You know, they have they find the body. It's pretty horrific. You know, she's yeah, I guess you don't quite know what's happened to her, but so her head's still there and her head and her hand. And it's creepy later when Hooper comes and they take like usually when you see an autopsy on TV, they pull it out. You yeah. know, but this they just pull it out of the fridge because that's all that's left. It's like this tiny amount. You just pull it out and put it down. Um and also they kinda had the same character that's in a lot of movies, like the deputy type who's nauseous all the time or you know kind of scared of things he comes back for jaws too by the way does he i haven't seen that in so long i rewatched it recently um but i like also how they tell us that we think they think it's a shark attack because the chief's on the phone with the coroner on the typewriter and he types in shark attack and the chief this also just brings up a lot of feelings about the pandemic and quarantine and curfews and i just could not help thinking about that during all of that this no there's even been a lot of memes online about specifically the mayor you know um, about you know 
the water is warm, everyone come, you know, that, just lines like that. Right. I mean, it made more sense over the summer where there's actually discussions about literally closing the beaches. <laughs> right, right. But the chief jumps on this and he's going to make his own closed beach sign because they said they don't even have any. This has never been an issue. Yeah. And then they have uh, the great scene with the mayor kind of telling him, hey, I know this is your first summer here, but this is not not how things are done. And you can't just close the beaches. And the coroner changes his tune and says it was probably a boating accident. Yeah, he says there's a psychological reaction. You you yell on the beach, Barracuda, people say, huh? What? <laughs> <laughs> That's the exact yes. line. I just like that. Huh? What? <laughs> but what if you yell shark? You yell shark. Huh? You have a panic what? on your hands. <laughs> Barracuda. <laughs> Although supposedly this movie did give sharks a bad rap, but I mean, did it because you do hear about <laughs> sharks? There you know. are seem to be a lot of shark attacks. I have a friend I went to high school with whose brother was bit by a shark. No way, really? Yes. Is he okay? Yeah. They say that sharks don't like the taste of people. They like to eat what what they like, but they can bite off forty four pounds of flesh from a whale. I mean, that's as big as like a third grader, you know. And so whenever they take a nibble at you, it just happens that. They're trying to just take a nibble, but they can't help they're so big, and they just happen to take your arm off. Yeah. So so anyway, now we get to Alex Kittner. Yes. And we're, this is only like 20 minutes into the movie. We already have the first scene, which we didn't even talk about, really, how terrifying that is. The girl's screaming. Yeah, iconic opening scene. I think they even tamed it down a little bit. Or maybe it never quite made the movie, but... She was like saying the um, the Lord's Prayer, yeah. Was she trying to make sure that the shark wasn't possessed by the <laughs> devil? That's what they do. <laughs> but it, apparently it was just too disturbing. So mm. they kind of, that scene where she's just, you know, oh God, oh God. Well, I uh, was reading that they were pulling her, so like guys on the beach were pulling her and they pulled her too hard and she broke some ribs. And so some of that screaming was like real pain and they kept some of it in, which also is kind of freaky. It's brutal. And there's also something even scarier about it because it's still at night. I'm not sure why, but yeah. just the idea that you can't even, not only are you in the water and you're alone and there's a freaking shark, you know, eating you, but you can't even see it. You know, yeah. I don't know why. There's something about the, the fact the water and the the depths below it, like, you know, it's, it's always kind of freaked me out. Like, I never really like sleeping near the, near the beach in my condo at night. Bug me out, like all the unknown that's out there. Mm. I, I used to have a real big problem thinking Godzilla was going to come out. Of it. <laughs> oh, no. so. Yeah, he does do that sometimes, doesn't he? <laughs> you got to watch out for that. Yeah. So now everyone's on the beach. Like Brody is kind of watching everybody. There, there's not a lot of music at the beginning of this scene. It's just everybody laying around on the beach, kids playing. And um, again, I really love the relationship between Brody and his wife because his wife is never... They don't make her nagging. Her kids ask to go in the water and she checks, hey, it's okay if they go in the water, you know, and they agree. They make sure it's okay. And say he says, yeah, it's okay. They can go in the water. Maybe he told her that it was just a barracuda. She's like, huh? What? <laughs> <laughs> but then, I mean, this is just another terrifying scene. Oh, God, it's so good. Donna, Donna. You know, there's a lot of activity and you have the guy with uh, his dog and uh, Pippin. And I, that is how the beach is. And especially when you have kids, like it's hard to relax. It's it's terrifying having your kids at the beach because you don't know where they are. And this is the 70s when they didn't care about kids as much. So <laughs> nowadays, <laughs> it is just like, it's so scary having a kid out in the water and one's on the sand and dogs running around and, and old men with floppy boobs 
distracting you and so great how well Roy Scheider plays the whole scene because he's already playing the the sort of guilt that he knows he's kind of fucked up like he knows that a shark obviously killed this girl like yeah he's 90 percent sure i mean he wrote his little report and he knows is i mean i guess you would probably as a human think well it's unlikely this will happen again like you know just by statistics like well that horrible thing already happened it's not gonna happen again right so maybe he's thinking that but you can tell he feels very it's not just like nerves it's, it's also i feel a little bit about guilt like he if something happens it's gonna be on his watch which yeah. is exactly like i kind of had that anxiety these last couple of weeks like with the covid numbers rising or anybody who's having like get-togethers or who are if, if, if i were to have like a big party I would feel like Roy Scheider. I would feel like this doesn't feel right, but I want to do what everybody else wants to do. I want to seem normal. I want to go yeah. around, but really I want everybody to get the fuck out of my house and wear a mask and sanitize your hands. And I think that that's kind of how he's feeling, how a lot of people probably feel sometimes. Yeah, I wouldn't even go for that, but that's actually great. <laughs> uh, that's a great move. And then, so the, the dog kind of goes missing she he's calling for him i forgot the dog dies the dog gets eaten we don't know that (laughs) pretty sure (laughs) um and then you'll get the underwater shot of the boy who's gone out the pain of that mother when everybody gets out and she's looking for her kid and he's the one that's missing ah it just let alone the shots of when the shark does get the kid yeah it's so crazy because you can't quite tell it's it's creepy what exactly is happening you know i love that you don't you get it's all more suggestive like is that its mouth or maybe you see like a fin that type of thing yeah it doesn't quite you visually it is it doesn't quite even make sense but that's probably what it would look like but what was that but you You see a lot of blood Um, yeah, and yeah, PG, PG movie for sure. <laughs> he dies a horrible death. Yep. Spielberg has a weirdly, an oddly sanitized reputation for the type of movies he's made. Like, you know, people think about him as like, at some point, the narrative got put that he's like schmaltzy or sentimental. Right. Everything has um, a happy ending. Right. And I, that, that, I, mean, I suppose that's true. But I remember like reading a review years ago of some movie where a kid died. And they said Spielberg would never do that. I'm like, what? Um, <laughs> I think he'd do that. I mean, not only that, but he's had these horrific uh, kid deaths. Yeah. It's like, do you remember? Have you seen Jaws? You know. Right. Also, the scene at the same time, and I, I don't know what you call it, but it's like a, a zoom shot, but then the the background of Roy Scheider's. Yes. There's some weird camera move. Then I know it's like a Hitchcock thing, but yeah, they they, they move in fast, but it's only focusing on him. And so it right. makes the background look like it's almost distorted. It's so good. Oh, my gosh. And the music is intensifying and feel all of that. But he's going through just in that shot. Yeah, I would love to have seen that, you know, in the theater with the audience for the first time. I was thinking that that if I could choose one movie, I think it would be this. Because it's not yeah. like too terrifying, like The Exorcist. But it's so it's still a little fun. I, I can imagine in the theater saying, I'm not sure if I can do this. And then it does kind of settle down. You know, once you get more to the town and, you know, Hooper and all that. but Well, so now we move to the, the town hall meeting. And the mom's offering $3,000 for someone to catch this fish. There's all these different colorful characters. But then we we meet Quint. And how do we meet that Quint? <laughs> that kid, that rascal. <laughs> he does the old uh, nails on the chalkboard thing. Right. And so Robert Shaw is an English actor, which I think right. is fascinating. What kind of accent is he doing? I love it. I don't know. I mean, I, he he's... 
I'm so used to him in this role, like from when I was a little boy, that I, I don't even know that I recognize it. It's like saying, what accent does Darth Vader do? Like, yeah. Wonderful. I guess it's kind of a, I'm sure it's supposed to be some sort of Long Island or New England. Uh, so he says he'll catch the fish for $10,000. No one knows what they're dealing with. But this is a, actually a really bad idea that this mom does this. I know she's in pain. We see her later in her full Victorian black. But then all of these fishermen are going out in their shitty boats with like, they're throwing dynamite and just throwing chum everywhere, bumping into each other. Oh, but before this happens, we meet Richard Dreyfus. Cooper, yeah. He, he is totally my type. Kind of scruffy, very funny, goofy kind of guy. I love Hooper. Yeah, it's, just, it's just funny that he keeps getting called a kid in this movie. I know. I always but think of I, him as being like at least 35. I know, right. But I wonder how old he was. He's the same age. He actually was born the same year as Steven Spielberg. Oh. So the, he was recommended for this by George Lucas because George Lucas had used him in American Graffiti. Right. And so he told his big buddy Steven <laughs> Spielberg, you know, they're just friends. I know. It's uh, crazy. That she's used Richard Dreyfus. And so he shows up as a, I guess, a guy who studies sharks. He's from some institute. We learn later he's a rich kid, essentially, who yeah. loves sharks. And so then they, they show him the, the remains of the body, and he is figuring out what kind of shark this might be. And so when they pull the tiger shark out, he realizes this is not the right shark. First of all, he was enraged. Like, you know, this is not a boating accident. Right. <laughs> he's, so, yeah. he's so great when he's angry. One of my favorite movies ever is What About Bob? Like, I watched that movie a couple months ago just by myself. I just laughed and laughed. I mean, so many lines in that that my family quotes all the time. I haven't seen that one since I was a oh kid. Oh my gosh, it's it's still so great. But I was saddened to learn that apparently uh, Richard Dreyfuss was bullied right. <laughs> the entire movie by uh, Robert Shaw, which, as a sentence, that's like objectively funny, like that that happened. <laughs> but I did feel bad that he had apparently a pretty bad time on set because of this. Kind of seems like maybe Robert Shaw was almost like method acting. Yeah, it could be, but it sounds like he was also just a mean drunk. I watched a little documentary, a BBC documentary they have on YouTube, and they said that Robert Shaw would go start in the morning drinking, drink all day, and then at night he'd go drinking, and they'd send like a, a PA to go with him, and they'd have to switch out PAs because the PA would drink too much, so they'd have to get another one to keep drinking with Robert Shaw because he just did not stop. How fun. <laughs> <laughs> So he just he just out drinking at on Martha's Vineyard, just at different bars or something. Or? Yes, and Richard Dreyfus was saying, yeah, he was like super mean to him, and he would be like really upset about it, and then he'd come and be super nice. It kind of sounds like an abusive relationship. Yeah, I love Richard Dreyfus. Be nice to him. Yeah. If that happens today, then Robert Shaw will be canceled. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He'd probably be canceled for a lot of other things before he got the bull on Richard Dreyfus. Probably. <laughs> Uh, so one of my favorite scenes ever in a movie is in this movie. Oh, cool. Do you know what it might be? Is it the scene at the table? Uh, Roy Scheider yes. and his kid, and they're imitating each other? Yes. I think that is so, such a powerful, like, subtle scene. It's And also, it's just adorable. And the mom is watching from the kitchen, and you just it shows, you know, what a strong person this Roy Scheider is in these kids' lives, and then also how kids look at their parents, and they're literally they showing you yeah. how they copy you. Oh my gosh, I think it's just so sweet. He says, "Give us a kiss because I need it." But there's also this element of like, okay, you need to go away so I keep drinking too. <laughs> <laughs> what's that? Is, what's what's like to be a parent? Um, Hooper shows up and he has red and white wine, which is very sweet, and yeah. um. Because he has all his disposable income. 
he's wearing like a suit and i i love how brody is entertained by him he's amused and there's just so many little details like i love when brody pours the uh wine just right into his drinking glass like whatever he was drinking he's like having like iced tea or something and he just pours it right in and you you know that he's just having a tough time so his wife explains that brody has a fear of the water and she says something like isn't there a name for that and he responds yeah drowning yeah which i never got until i was an adult like i I thought he was just dead serious right so they go decide to go and cut that shark open yeah, while drunk. Because one of the lines that always um, freaked me out as a kid was, I think the mayor says, I'm not going to cut this fish open on the dock and have the Kittner boy spill out all over the dock. Yeah. Speaking of, did you read that um, there's a, it may have been like an IMDb trivia or something, but the mother of Alex Kittner in the movie. There's no way just, that's true. You're t- you know the story I'm the talking about? The sandwich story? Yeah, yeah. You don't <laughs> think that's true? Okay. Tell the story. Okay. So according to the the mother of the actress, who was like just really a local in Martha's Vineyard, she wasn't really a professional actress or something. She says that years after this movie, she went to a, a seafood restaurant. I'm not sure where. And then on the menu was something called the Alex Kittner sandwich, uh-huh. right? Which is, you know, obviously a bad joke. And so she wanted to go talk to the owner to say, hey, I actually played uh, Mrs. Uh, Kittner. And the owner was the Jeffrey Voorhees, Voorhees who played Alex Kittner. And so it was, that was the first time they had seen each other in out, however long, you know, decades since the movie. As I say this, as I tell it to you, that is clearly not true. <laughs> hey, um, you never know. Stranger things have happened. Just weird and specific enough that it seems kind of hard to make up, you know? Yeah, like, right. So I, I think it's true. I, you can put one of your Twitter polls here. Like, <laughs> right. is, Chris, is Chris a lying liar or not? Uh, is Chris a dumbass or not? Yeah, it's Chris a dumbass. It's a nice story. It is. But so then they also go out onto a boat, which is not, you shouldn't drink and then go out on a boat. Mm-mm. They find the fisherman's boat all banged up because they show the fisherman earlier. I, and I also, in this documentary, it was really cool. There was a guy who the basis of Quint was based on and he lived yeah, in the, Martha's Vineyard and he has a cameo. Yeah, so he plays um, something, something Gardner. I forget his first name. So Hooper decides he puts on his wetsuit and gets all up in there. Yeah, not this guy. <laughs> and they find a head with worms in it. Yeah, well, I mean, they don't just find it. His, his head, you know, pops, pops out, out <laughs> in one of the scariest scares that ever scared. Yes. <laughs> That's something I always kind of forget about, too. I don't, and I think, again, I don't think it was in the TV version that I grew up watching. Which, uh, and then he finds a tooth the size of a shot glass. Supposedly, uh, you know, Steven Spielberg says that they, they shot a version of the film without that scene mm-hmm. and then previewed it. And so without that scene, the biggest scare in the, in the, in the theater was when... Uh, Jaws first comes out of the water when Roy Scheider's, you know... Chumming. Chumming. Yeah. But when they added the decapitated head scene, when they added that back in, that scared people so much that they were on guard the rest of the movie. Ah. So the other scares weren't as... Uh, I mean, they were scary, but they didn't have quite the same reaction because people were already... They've been sort of trained to expect at least one or more of those sort of... Um, do you call that a jump scare? I mean, kind of. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, but I think it's earned. I mean, it's someone's oh, head yeah. popping out and it there's a reason for it to be there the the shark ate it yeah 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 so then richard dreyfus is mad again he's angry and he's yelling about so he talks about the 1916 new jersey story that was the basis of uh why benchley wrote the book which was like there was a shark that ate a few people in new jersey and that might be something a real story we can get into maybe you know next week the way we do and he's yelling at the mayor and the mayor is more upset about the kids vandalizing the sign. 
than they are about this, which is, again, it just reminds me of the pandemic and about how people are more upset about having to wear a mask than maybe certain other things that are yeah. more important. Yeah, well, I mean, I love in that scene where um, Richard Dreyfus is, or Hooper is arguing with the mayor. There's that scene that always made me laugh where, you know, he's looking at the, the sign and he goes, take a look at the sign, mayor. It is prophetic. Or what, <laughs> right. what, what, what did he say? It's, uh, I, it's uh, the proportions are accurate or something right, like that. Right. Uh, and that, that does, I mean, he, he's kind of like Dr. Fauci in a way. He's like, he's warning us. Yes. Everything he said that would come to pass has come to pass and then some. Right. And we're still talking about, you know, uh, having a, how can we have as nice a Thanksgiving as possible? It's like, we can't, you can't. I'm sorry. It's yeah. going to be hard. It's going to be fucking hard. Yeah, it's going to be tough. <laughs> it's going to be sad, but we can do it. Yeah, those proportions are accurate. <laughs> When he yells at the mayor that uh, he's not going to recognize the problem until it comes in long and bites you on the ass. When I was a kid, I, I thought that was the biggest burn that ever occurred. Like, I thought, I mean, I was so proud of that one. That's like, uh, I did it. Why they, uh, they showed this to me. I think I've even talked about, about this on a podcast before. Yes, they you know, rented it, history. right? They, they rented it. I'm sure I was five years old because it was PG. Uh, I, was, I guess they had seen it before. I mean, they must have known what it was. Coming. They didn't care I mean, about it, it, kids it was, back then, Chris. It would have been 10 years old that time because it was 1985 when I saw it, when I was five anyway. And I remember my dad always tells a story that something scared me so bad that I spat out my Cheetos and, <laughs> and a jump, run and jump in his life or something. Because you were little. Yeah. Okay, so everyone's back at the beach, but nobody's going in the water. Smart. But they are taking some precautions. Yeah, you know, go to the helicopters beach. helicopters everywhere. But maybe don't go in the water. I mean, that's, yeah, you don't have to go in the water. But the mayor is all up in there saying, go get in the water. Take your yeah, mask off. It doesn't off. really make sense because he already has the people there. Yeah. I mean, they're already getting the benefit of their summer dollars. They're they're eating their ice cream. They're playing the arcades. <laughs> There's that fun short game they're playing. <laughs> um, they're, they're making their money. They're spending money on the ferries, the toll roads. Uh, so why, what does he give a shit? They're not going to make any money by sending them out into the water. It doesn't really matter at that point. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And then so the people go out there and they you can tell that they're they're scared. But then all the kids start going. And so... Roy Scheider's kids are there. And there's a great scene before that when so Roy Scheider's looking back at his house. He's looking through that shark book that he has lying around. Or probably that he got from the library, don't you think? I hope so. It's a pretty graphic book, yeah. It really is. Those those shark bite pictures freak me out. And there there's a picture of a shark biting a boat. Yeah. And it's another great scene, I think, between the parents because the mom's like Michael's sitting out on his present, which is a little boat. Michael's probably like what 11 12 11 yeah she's like it's no big deal right and she looks at the book kind of gets into you know who i mean uh, brody's mind seeing what he sees the boat is being eaten by the shark and so she screams out get out get your ass out of the boat and i just love that scene too because it's like where again where the parents are communicating believe it or not which is but as soon as she said that he's out there you know with his present i, I immediately thought of all the other like inappropriate presents he could have gotten that'd be like terrifying like like a, a short baiting kid or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so he has his little boat and he wants to take it out. And so his dad says, take it out to like the little bay area. It's like I a guess. lagoon, which I guess there's just, it seems like there's some sort of walled off or what do you call it? Or enclosed area. So did that shark like free willy that shit? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't understand it. I mean, there must be some sort of access point. I don't know what a lagoon is. What is a lagoon? Maybe he'd been slowly like chipping away, like, <laughs> well, like Tim Robbins. Yeah, while they were out fucking around with the kids and, he, and, the and he put his poster over <laughs> right. it. He's like, now's the time. <laughs> They're distracted by the hooks. <laughs> 
so oh so then they have a big scare because a couple of kids go out and use a cardboard fin yeah. or something. It's pretty funny. They they do a hoax. But nothing is scarier than people panicking. I mean, people are insane. Now I think about it, though, they play no music during that scene. So I guess... You know the shark's not there. Yeah, but I wonder if, Maybe. like, I mean, subliminally, I think you're supposed to know that. Like, the movie's kind of trained you when the shark's there and not there. So the scene in the lagoon is quite terrifying. Yes. And I wonder, this is the second instance of Brody's kid being there. Is the shark trying to get revenge on Michael? Well, there's actually, have you seen Jaws Part 4 called Jaws the Revenge? <laughs> no. It's, it's famously, like, one of the worst movies ever made, much less the worst movie in that, that franchise. But yeah, that's the idea is like, you know, Roger Ebert actually has a, a famously funny review of it because you know, the plot of the movie is like the shark's relative seeks revenge on the relatives of the... <laughs> oh my gosh. And, and Roger Ebert wrote like, what shark's son wouldn't want revenge on the people that killed his father or something like that? <laughs> um, it makes but sense. It's, it's either very bad luck. Yeah. And it follows in like all the way to like the Bermuda. So they're not, they're not even in Amity. It makes the... Yeah. It's a terrible movie. And the, so the first like real shot we see of the shark yeah. is when he's in the... Lagoon. We kind of see him over there. Yeah, yeah. And then he knocks over the guy who's in his another little boat. But he has a pretty gross death too. Is that when you see the leg fall yeah. to the bottom yeah. of the? Okay, yeah, I definitely remember that. Pull Michael out, and he's in shock. Yeah, I, I yeah, guess they have that great shot of the camera coming towards Michael, which I guess is supposed to be you know the Jaws. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know Jaws is his name, but we call him Jaws, right? <laughs> I, I've always. Seen yes. And I read today that I, I guess there was actually a much uh, more graphic version of the scene where the idea was the swimming instructor or the boating instructor, whatever it was, was the, the okay. So the shot of the camera coming towards uh, Michael was supposed to be the the guy, like he was he was in Jaws's mouth, and Jaws is like oh my coming gosh. towards Michael, and like blood's going everywhere. And they said it was just like, we know this is PG. Right. <laughs> but Steven Spielberg said, I can, just, I can never show this. This is too much. And so that footage exists, but they never even had it like on a, Oh, wow. Yeah. I think it's scary enough just having the shark go by him. Yeah. One question I always have on the next scene. Now, I'll just never know the answer, I guess. But so when Michael's in the hospital, okay, you know, he's there for shock, whatever. Right. And uh, the mother says, what can I get you? Do you want ice cream? And he goes, coffee. Does that mean he right. wants coffee or does he want coffee flavored ice cream? I think he wants coffee. Okay. That I think maybe he's, he's trying to show that he's grown up, oh, maybe. Okay. But they, they really show another side of the mayor, too. Because, like, the mayor is shooken up. And yes, he was wrong to not close the beaches, but he also has the whole town to think of. And then, you know, he looks at Brody and says, you know, my kids were on that beach, too. Yeah. And he agrees to hire Quint. The funny thing is, though, is the mayor is also in Jaws, too, and he has, like, the same storyline. He doesn't learn any of his lessons. <laughs> <laughs> Quint asks for $200 a day, plus a 10000 after he catches the fish, a case of apricot brandy, champagne, caviar, a color TV. <laughs> this is all the stuff that he that he wants. When, 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 and, when uh, is this? I forget that. He's just talking. Uh, his Quint talk. <laughs> color TV. Brody is just saying, yep, anything you want. Then he gives him the thing of moonshine. And another thing that my dad used to always say was, here's to swimming to bow-legged women. <laughs> it's a lot of great limericks. Uh, he makes uh, Hooper do uh, some sort of knot. And Hooper's like, well, it's been a long time since I've had basic seamanship or whatever, which is just the type of comment that you know enrages Quint probably. Because like, right. the thought that we didn't have to have a course probably pisses him off. But then you also have Quint, or I'm sorry, Hooper, like acknowledging it. That, that's a bit of a cliche. Like he says, we don't have to do this working class hero bullshit, do we? Or whatever. And, right. 
And in the movie, as characters, there's some contention between Hooper and Quint, but it never seems volatile to me. It always seems a little lighthearted. But then when you hear about how in real life they didn't get along and Richard Dreyfuss felt bullied, it makes it not as fun to me. I wish I kind of didn't know that. Well, I think, I I bet if he asked uh, Robert Shaw before he died, he probably thought they wouldn't go along great. Like, he's probably that type of guy. (laughs) You're right, maybe. He probably had no idea that he was mean to him. Yeah, there's that scene, like you had said, of Quint chugging his beer and crushing the can, and then Richard Dreyfuss has like a little Dixie cup, (laughs) and he takes it and then crushes it. So there's a lot of uh, humor between them two. And then, of course, we'll get to the one of the best scenes ever in a movie, too, is when they, they drink together. Mm-hmm. They're trying to catch the shark just with, like with a fishing line. Yeah, well, it's made of a it's made of piano wire. Piano wire. So, yeah. So this is a there's apparently even a Mythbusters about this. Like would piano wire be strong enough to um, handle a shark of that size? And I think the answer was no. But so he buckles himself in. He's going to reel this in. And I just love the click click that you hear yeah. when you know he's got a bite which reminded me of the t-rex stomp of the t-rex coming jurassic park you know jeep scene where the t-rex is coming yeah so which part of the movie do you like better do you like the first half of the movie where they're on land and sharks are attacking or, or do you like the second half where they're actively you know the boat half is what i would call it gosh that's a tough call i mean it's all of masterpiece level you know god tier as people say these days but i think i prefer the first half in a way Oh, gosh, I was going to say the second half, because I think like in a movie, I prefer like my favorite movies are like Wes Anderson movies or which are I mean, Wes Anderson movies can be a bit over the top. They're very colorful and things like that. But the best parts of those movies to me are just like the regular interactions the characters have together. And and some of my other favorite movies are like Joe Swanberg movies where it's just people talking they call that mumblecore, I think. But those are some of my favorite movies. And so I think I would choose if I had to watch one part of this, which I know, which is kind of ironic because the second part has the most action. A yeah. fucking shark gets blown up. But those scenes of them just as characters interacting and having these simple times together, I enjoy that more. Yeah. I mean, there's not, there's not a second in this movie that I don't enjoy on some level, but for some reason... I think even as a kid, whenever the second half started and they're not, I just always remember thinking that the first half was scarier and maybe because you got to identify with it more like, you know, just the basic beach stuff versus, you know, when yeah, they're, yeah. you know, or a professional fisherman going out kind of doing his thing is less identifiable. But yeah, I guess there's a little more structure to the second half too, with them having a plan where before it's just anything goes, you don't know what's going to happen. It's pretty terrifying. It's almost like its own little movie too. It's like a whole separate movie. But yeah, 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 but no complaints. It's wonderful. It's all wonderful. But so anyway, that's and a then, long way of saying that we're now in the second half of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so Roy Scheider is chumming. That's his job. He gets kind of the scut work because yeah. he doesn't know how to. He's never been on a boat before. Yeah, what's he complaining about? Except except for that drunken night, right? With his buddy Hooper, and then we have one of the scariest scenes. I think people say is. The shark comes up, which I would kill to be a kid, and I've never seen this movie, and see it in the movie theater in 1970. Not even a kid. I've grown up. And the shark comes up but from behind him, and he sees it, and he just backs up. Yeah. All the way into the galley. <laughs> yeah. And Im- improvises a line, we're going to need a bigger boat, yeah. 
Did he really improvise That's that? That's what he says, yeah. That's amazing. Which that is in my house. It's, it's at least my number one quote from my dad from any movie ever. We're going to need a bigger boat. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's you're going to need a bigger boat. You're going to need a bigger boat. It really? It's not yes, weird? Yes, yes. And that line is so iconic that you almost kind of forget that it's kind of like a joke. Like you, you just sort of, yeah, it was that line, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, we didn't talk about the, the shark, the mechanical right. shark that caused them so much trouble. Yeah, so I think it's well documented, you know, how... You know, between this and Star Wars, this, you know, the, you know, they both have equally horrific uh, behind-the-scenes stories of like just how these movies even get made because it was just nothing but trouble from you know day one. But I do think it's hilarious that they were so confident that they were building the shark and they never tested it in water, and so the first time it, right. the first time they put it in right. water, it just sinks straight to the ground. Right. <laughs> then they tested it like in regular water, like in a tank. But then they put it into the salt water and it started fucking up the, the stuff. Oh, is that what it is? That, that too. Like it was just like everything, yeah. every step was like a, a mess up. Yeah. I just know there's one account where it literally just sank to the bottom right. of, I don't know, the ocean. <laughs> and and like, it's still there. What? Like how this happened? It's still there. <laughs> there's a great episode of Bob's Burgers where they have a, they live by the dock and they have a fair and there's like the shark that was in Jaws, but it starts like like opening and closing its mouth, but they can't stop it. And it ends up just like destroying everything. And it, but anyway, it's hilarious. Bob's Burgers is the best. You should watch it. Then famously, it. they named the shark Bruce, yeah. who was named after Steven Spielberg's lawyer. <sighs> I mean, is that like a good thing or a bad thing? I wonder, do you think he admired his lawyer? I don't think so. Or was he calling his lawyer shark? Yes. One of my favorite, of my own favorite catches is that in the movie Finding Nemo, which is one of my favorite movies, there's a shark in it. His name is Bruce, oh, which yeah. is a callback to that. Yeah, so they all share in this scare together. They're a bit freaked out. And then that night they have a party. Yeah, they've they've had all kinds of uh, drama about shooting barrels into the shark and one barrel right. and two barrels. I guess see, all that kind of gets a little bit tedious to me. Maybe because I've just seen it a hundred times, you know. Okay, the first barrel, the second barrel. Like, well, you know, it's going to drag the fucking thing in the water and they're going to they're gonna be sad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that night, easily one of the most famous scenes in Certainly any movie of this type, but much less probably any movie of the 70s. I mean, it's just a great scene. Yeah. The trio, you know, just uh, relaxing, having some drinks, and they start, you know, telling stories about uh, the various... It starts off by them talking about the various wounds from past fishing or shark attacks or other things. Right. They're show showing off their yeah. scars. There's two really funny things in that, I think, to me. One is... So they're showing their scars of, like, sharks and this and that, and then they show Brody, like, kind of look down... And his scar, which is probably an appendix yeah, it's an scar. Appendix. You know? This is real life appendix scar, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. But he's a little too shy to actually say anything. He kind of just looks yeah. at it. And then there's a and then when <laughs> Richard Travis opens up his shirt, and that, I mean the joke about him saying that Marianne Moffat broke my heart is hilarious. But before that, Quint makes a joke and says, You're wearing a sweater. Like because he's so hairy. <laughs> I didn't hear that. <laughs> that just cracked me up. But that cracks me up because nothing makes me happier than Richard Dreyfus's laugh. Well, oh, the great it's just also the, best. the great thing about that is that Quint knows the punchline before Richard Dreyfus even says it because Richard Dreyfus or, or Quint gives like Scheider like a look like you're gonna like this one. You know, there's just a oh, lot. Right, there's right, a lot right. really good acting because it's probably some old old joke that you know sailors tell each other. You know, and then it turns super serious. I mean, I was wondering what your true crime or true story would be. And I, I was kind of wondering if you were going to talk about the true story of the Indianapolis. It doesn't sound like you. Oh, that would be. Yeah. I might do that. Yeah. We could talk about all kinds of stuff. I think there's so much cool stuff that we can talk about. 
Like I, I know nothing about the Indianapolis other than what has been presented to me in this movie. So me okay, too. Because I was going to ask if it's you know uh, true or not. Because uh, I believe uh, Robert Shaw like wrote a lot of that dialogue because the right, which is also yeah, fascinating. I guess he's a playwright. You know, he's he's pretty talented. I guess. And so he tells the story so impressive. It's amazing monologue, and also I mean just the heaviness of the story he's telling. That you're talking about World War II. You're talking about atomic bombs. And then surviving shark infested waters. And then that's where he gets his like fascination and hatred yeah. of sharks. I mean, it's so much in one monologue. Another line that my dad says a lot is black eyes, like doll's <laughs> yeah. eyes. Which kind of. I don't know how that comes up a lot, but somehow yeah, it yeah, does. Yeah, that, that is strange. But, uh, <laughs> but that kind of pays off in the movie itself because in my head, I mean, I know this doesn't happily happen on screen, but when, when Jaws, Bruce, whatever, later bites into quint in my mind i'm always imagining quint seeing his his eyes roll over that scene is still traumatizes me <laughs> specifically when he splits it's, up it's the tough. blood yeah the quint being eaten is a very traumatic scene but i guess also what i didn't understand as a kid is i mean he he doesn't deserve it but he's definitely pushing the limits of what they should and shouldn't be doing breaks the radio yeah. i mean he's definitely going through some mania yeah, here he's got a lot of uh, self-sabotage going on yeah so the fact that he does end up getting eaten is not a complete surprise as it was to me as a kid right it's just remarkable that you know they could have just had this great character that was you know kind of you know funny and has great limericks and is you know a bit of a bully and that could have been fine and that would have been still an awesome character but then you give him the indianapolis scene i mean just the fact that so many moments like that exist this movie there is a lot of music in these scenes that's mm -hmm. very like happy it kind of reminds me of music you might hear like on you're waiting yeah, for a roller like coaster adventure music like you said like dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun. And <laughs> <laughs> even though they're fighting this Shark. Oh, well, one other scene I that we didn't talk about really was when the fishermen at the beginning go out on the dock and they use one of the guys says it's his his old lady's roast turkey or whatever you know and he yeah. throws it into the ocean and Jaws, Mister Jaws, <laughs> yeah, be respectful, <laughs> pulls yeah, pulls the whole dock off and that's scary enough. But then when you see the Turn dock, because you don't see the shark. You see the dock turn around, mm. Chris, and it starts coming back. Yeah. And we, and I think we're supposed to presume that it's really Jaws because the music's playing. And, you know, we've been yes. taught that when the music's playing that Jaws is Mr. Joss. Mr. Joss, I'm sorry. Quint's idea didn't quite work. They stalled. Shoot it with barrels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they decide to go with Hooper's idea, which they bring his shark cage, which he, I think he says, Quint asks him if that's a monkey cage or a shower. You go in the water. Sharks in the water. <laughs> <laughs> this was fascinating that they used a real shark, but they used a smaller cage with a little person. Geniuses. So that's the type of thing that <laughs> is so simple that I never would have figured out. Like, how do we do this? But the little person was actually in danger. Like, they took, he got out of that cage, but that is real oh, footage of like a, a great like a white. old mannequin or something. That's a real person. That's crazy. Yes. Yeah. Well, so then he got out, and then the but then the great white like destroyed the yeah it got it got cage. caught in the cage. I, uh, there's yeah, footage so of that on the little documentary. Uh, the little person was like, "I'm not going back in there." Little, I mean, he's a, he was a real human actor guy. I'm sorry, I don't know his name. And uh, understandably, he was like, "I'm not going back in there." And so they changed <laughs> like, <why> the <laughs> ending. It's no big deal. So 
Hooper got out and they used the broken up cage, which that also reminds me of when they pull the broken cage out. It's all in pieces. It reminds me of when they fed the raptors, the cow, and then they pull oh, the yeah, yeah. thing out and it's it all broken similar, and bloody. Yeah. Yeah, you have a lot going on this time. You have Hooper underwater in his cage, just up to his bullshit. But then you have the Jaws, because uh, he's he's also damaged the boat. So they have a lot of boat is already flooding. So Quint is like destroyed half the equipment, so they can't they can't contact anybody. Well, Hooper is supposed to stab him with this poison, mm-hmm. which he immediately drops. Right, because the shark is very scary. So yeah, so Jaws just fucks up that cage. <laughs> he says, "Fuck your cage." Yes. Fuck your dart. Fuck your pole. And then. <laughs> And, but then he, you know, proceeds to go after the boat. And then, so then you have the scene where he gets Quince, which for my money, it's not like the scariest scene, but it's the one that uh, just absolutely undid me when I was a kid. Like I just. Yes. And it just, I mean, it takes him under screaming. Yeah. And then when seconds, like seconds later, you barely even have time to breathe. Then Jaws comes crashing through the window again after Roy right. Scheider. It still has Quint's flesh in his yeah. teeth. Roy Scheider just slept on the boat with all his bloody water. This is when he throws an oxygen tank into his mm-hmm. mouth. And for some reason, the shark keeps it in there. I guess he... Well, they've already established that it's like a garbage can. It eats anything. Well, this is about, about the tiger shark. Oh. But a what? <laughs> but... <laughs> huh? What? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's for barracudas. <laughs> So yeah, the way that the way that um, Spielberg sort of escalates the action that lasts you know five minutes between the you know Hooper underwater went killed pretty. I mean, I guess he was killed pretty ceremoniously. I was gonna say unceremoniously, but it's pretty ceremonious. I mean, there's yeah, there's a lot yeah. of you know pomp and circumstance <laughs> with him dying, and then that third beat of him coming after um, Roy Scheider, um, just merciless. And the boat's freaking sinking, and so then you have the climax of Roy Scheider climbing or. I guess crawling really on the the mast or whatever you call it. Yeah, and I had for some reason put it out of my mind that Roy Scheider kills it by himself. I always kind of uh, pictured it as him and Hooper like celebrating together, but he yeah does it himself. Yeah, I think Hooper's dead. Yeah. So Jaws has the oxygen tank in his mouth, which apparently Mythbuster says if you shoot an oxygen tank, it will not blow up. I'm like, thank you. Shut up. Right. Roy Scheider's got his rifle. Shoots it a bunch of times, you know, misses, but then finally, once he finds the perfect one-liner, <laughs> says, uh, was it smile, you son of a bitch? And yeah. I was like, what? Shoots him in the air saying, don't tell me to smile. <laughs> People hate right. that. And then he blows him to yeah. bits. Well, blows yeah, like flesh sure, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And then Hooper comes to the surface after, and he just says, Quint. And Brody says, no. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure Richard Driver. And he's like, thank yeah, God. Like, oh, no. That <laughs> <laughs> guy. And then the last lines of the movie is them swimming. And Brody says, I used to hate the water. And Hooper says, I can't imagine yeah. why. And then they swim off into the yeah, sunset together. Yeah, happy music. Yeah. Or it's yeah. not really triumphant or anything, but it's it's like music from another happier movie, put it that way. So, yeah, so Spielberg made that thing when he was 28. I mean, as many as many things that go wrong, you know, and, and I get that. Like, it was apparently, by all counts, a miserable experience. And every day he thought it was going to be fired. But it's kind of fascinating how many movies are like that that you hear about. Like The Godfather, you know, Al Pacino thought it was going to be fired every day until, you know. Right. And then, of course, Star Wars, the, the, you know, the first one, the Star Wars proper, was just a miserable experience. And I mean, as, hor- as horrific as that sounds, like as far as like they had a job to do and every day they went to their job, it was just apparently a nightmare. Like, you know, the, there are some days where they got no footage whatsoever. 
But when you think about right. it just in a vacuum, what a fun job. I mean, like, your job I was know. to it seems like so play much fun. with a fucking robot shark in the middle of the ocean. And the worst thing that happens <laughs> like, oh, the robot shot that we get to play with didn't quite work today. Oh, no. Uh, but but right. I get it. I get it. I mean, they have a budget and they it's a lot of pressure. But I do think uh, I've never read the Peter Benchley novel, but I, I did. I forgot that this was a theme. But do you remember, like, in this sort of maybe late 80s or early 90s, there's this kind of phenomenon where there's a different Peter Benchley like miniseries <laughs> like every other. No. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. And they're all sort of variations on sort of a, a Jaws thing. Like there's The Beast, which is about a giant squid. Uh-huh. Oh. And then there's, so they would come out like every other year. And I would always watch them. They're so fun. They're like two-part miniseries that I'm sure if you watch them now are I'm sure just absolutely terrible. He plays the, the reporter in the movie. Uh, that's him on the, on the oh. beach. He's a reporter, yeah. And apparently, uh, again, this may not be true, but supposedly he eventually was kicked off the set because he had too many ideas. Oh, okay. And Steven, Steven Spielberg's like, I can't get the shark to work. I can't deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> One of my main actors is drunk somewhere. <laughs> Richard Dreyfuss oh. is crying. <laughs> Five uh, sharks? Chums. Chums, okay. Five chums. Oh, no. Five quints. Quints means five. Quince? Oh, yeah. I mean, does anyone have an argument for this movie not being good? I don't want to hear it. Problematic in any way? Is it offensive? These uh, I can't think of any particular... But what possibly could be in this? Don't kill the shark? Yeah. You know that there's probably people, PETA people, who oh, yeah. don't want you to kill the shark. And I love PETA. I, I'm a vegetarian now. I haven't eaten meat in like three months. But you gotta... What are you gonna do? He's, he's a Ted Bundy. Yeah. Burn. Bruce Burn. Jaws Burn. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's quite he's quite a menace out there for sure. I still will jump in the ocean anytime. I think I will now. So each movie is interesting and important in its own way. So I think Jaws is mostly important as far as culturally because it was the first summer blockbuster. Yes. So Spielberg introduced that. You know, thank you. So apparently before this, <laughs> uh, and I didn't, I wouldn't wear this, but summer was sort of the doldrums of like when they would sort of just dump movies because people used to like to be outside. <laughs> oh, so this was like the old january yeah so jaws was supposed to come out in december of the prior year so i guess that'd be like 1974 but they were so behind because you know the shark the shark wouldn't work and you know quint was off doing whatever and uh you know who who knows what so they got delayed till summer uh and they didn't know what they had in their hands and then when it became this massive hit it was really a, a kind of a quirk because a it was in the summer and summer movies just don't do that and now, of course, you, you, you plan on that. You have your summer tent poles. Uh, yeah, the new Avengers movies or whatever. So I saw that they're already starting on pre-production of Black Panther 2. I did, yeah, I saw but, that. But what are they? Well, they haven't said if they're going to recast Black Panther or maybe they're going to write it as that he died. I, they were saying that they might make Shuri okay, that's his I sister. I wonder if that's ever That happened. would be awesome. I mean, I wonder if that's ever happened, like, in a comic book where she's the Black Panther or something. I mean, there's got to be, like, a female Black Panther, right? A Black Pantress. Yeah. Because Ryan Coogler is still at the helm. I trust him. So I think that if he decides to recast, or, I mean, it's up to Disney, but... I'm, I'm going to make a prediction on this podcast. Okay. So we're in, you know, week of Thanksgiving 2020. My prediction is that they do not recast him, and they go with, you know, Shuri or somebody. Because I feel like the fact they've already announced it, but they've announced the casting is kind of backwards. This could all be proven wrong by like tomorrow, but you'll still, <laughs> you can't edit this out if it is. You have to, you still have to okay. keep that in. All right. Well, so look forward to our next Spielberg episode, possibly. Right. 
and talk to us on our social medias. What do you think about Jaws? When did you first see Jaws? Or are you 21 years old and you've never seen Jaws? Oh, that's another thing I wanted to talk about was, so one of my favorite podcasts is called Analyze Fish. Probably talked about it before. Yeah. It's a uh, fish as in the band, P-H-I-S-H. See, I have liked podcasts since before they were cool, Chris. I don't know if you know this. So this is an older podcast. This was with Scott Ackerman and Harris Whittles. Harris passed away four years ago. But he was an amazing comedian. He wrote on Parks and Rec. He was a actor on Parks and Rec. If you see Parks and Rec, sometimes he shows up as Harris wearing a fish shirt. So the whole premise of the podcast is that Harris loves fish, the band. Scott Ackerman thinks it's terrible, understandably. And he tries to get Scott Ackerman on board and it doesn't happen. But the, at one point they deviated from this because the comedians Paul F. Tompkins and Harold Kramer love jaws it's their favorite movie ever so they deviated for two episodes and it's called analyze fish but (laughs) fish (laughs) f-i-s-h because another hilarious comic shelby farrow who at that time this was probably like six years ago maybe more she was like 21 she's hilarious now she's a a little she's probably she's still young but she'd never seen jaws so they made her watch jaws for the first time and then they talked about it. There's, it's two parts. I highly recommend it. So like it's, it? But so you, you have to listen to it because it's hilarious. I would love uh, this. Is, I think this would be a good movie to see in the theater. I, I hope they, I mean, I'm sure yes. they do release it many times. I've just never noticed. But this is definitely one movie that would benefit, I bet. Well, uh, again, part one of our Spielberg uh, semi-miniseries. So we're here at the beginning of his career. Classic Jaws. So we're um, next week we'll have a true... Is it a crime? Is it a true story? How would you characterize it? Well, would you charge a shark with a murder? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> there Wasn't there a story about how they charged a pig with murder in one of the movies <laughs> we watched? One of, like one of the Babe sequels. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, thank you for listening. Don't, re- don't forget to... Um, subscribe rate renew on itunes review god damn it don't forget to subscribe rate and review on itunes yes that would be awesome and uh that's it okay everyone have a good night all right bye goodbye <laughs> <That was abrupt. laughs>